Oh, and it was wild. Uh, our flight, we fully boarded, and they're like, uh, we're missing navigation systems on this plane, so everyone exit the plane. And so everyone gets off the plane, and some people need connecting flights, so everyone's like freaking out. And then they're like, you know what? We probably don't need it. Everyone get back on the plane. And I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> of Hidden Doors and High Scores, a podcast where three dudes talk about games. I'm Austin. I'm Garrett. And I'm Chris. And today we're talking about God of War Ragnarok, uh, the latest in the highly acclaimed God of War series and the direct sequel to God of War that came out in 2018 with the Norse theming. Um, It's just like all the other God of War games, it's an action-adventure game. with some RPG elements thrown in, and uh, people might remember that uh, in our year in review episode, almost a year ago now, uh, Austin said this was the game he was looking forward to most in 2022, so I'm going to just throw it over to Austin. (laughs) Did it live up? So, I have to make a confession. I have not finished the game, although I have put about 35 hours in. But, yes. In short, fuck yeah. This game is great. It is everything I wanted it to be. It is more of the first game, more of the incredible storytelling, great characters, side quests that actually have meaning, and really fun combat. Plus, they did away with a lot of stupid little annoyances that really broke the flow in the previous game, and this game just keeps moving. There's there's no downtime. I wanted to jump on that when you saying they did. It's just more of the first game, and I was like, actually, it's kind of less of the first game, and is therefore more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. They just they just really trimmed down some of the bullshit filler parts, and really just made this game every part of it is fun. Yeah, yeah. I was I was worried when I was first playing and looked at the skill tree. I'm like, this seems like the exact same game. But when you really get into it in the skills, there, there, there's quality of life everywhere. There is a, a new system that the more you use a skill, you level it up and make it better. So it encourages using different kind of styles of gameplay. So you can set that skill to do extra frost or to do extra stun or to do extra damage. And you can customize those battle to battle so if you're, you know, fighting sort of hordes of little guys, you might want to, um, you know, do big, big damage so you can just clear out ads quickly. Whereas if you're fighting a Valkyrie or something, you want maximum stun because you want to be able to interrupt her attacks. Yeah. Uh, before we talk about anything, let's talk about the developers. Uh, Santa Monica Studios. Uh, originally, when Sony PlayStation came out, there was Japan Studios because obviously J- Japanese company. Then they came out with Cambridge Studios, which was in England, and then Santa Monica for the North American games. And pretty much this game, this studio has just been making all the God of Wars. And they've been doing very well at it. First few God of Wars are all fine games, but nobody would call them best games of all time. And then when they made the 2018 God of War, it really felt like that studio had stepped into the modern era of gaming, mm-hmm. you know, 
big, big way and really set the bar for action adventure games. I would say this is direct sequel. It just takes place, what, a couple years after the previous one ended? Yeah, that's what it seems like. Like Atreus uh, is a little bit grown up, but he's still he's still the boy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Boy. He's learning to become an adult in this one. He wants to become his own person. That's a yeah. big theme in the, the story. God, and you know what? I still just could not forgive him for being such an asshole in the first game. <laughs> it is funny. He acknowledges it, too. There's a whole scene where he's confronted by his past self, and you just yes. hear all the annoying Atreus yep. lines for the first game. It's amazing. I love it, because it, like, it was very much Santa Monica Studios being self-aware, being like, yeah. we know that was annoying. And it's like, making Atreus confront his annoying self, I think yeah. is great. That was perfect. Like, yeah. It's hard to be the biggest asshole in this story because <laughs> almost every character is a huge asshole and Atreus yes. was hit by miles in the first <laughs> game and he's way better in this game and the the fun part for me of this game was you get to play as him oh yeah. Was awesome. yeah i thought that was an excellent like a change it wasn't even really like a gameplay change because you're kind of still doing the same thing it's still just yeah. like kind of fast-paced combat with like a little bit of the puzzly here and there but like sidelining you know, the main character of your series that's been the focal point for 20 years. Like, I, th I thought it was a pretty big swing, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, they didn't do a lot of things different with this game, or at least a lot of big things. But, boy, that was one that I really enjoyed. And did not expect. Didn't expect. Very happy yeah. about when yeah. it happened. And a little spoiler, when you use his rage mode as opposed to Kratos' rage mode... And it's awesome. Yeah, it was so cool. <laughs> yeah. They did change some stuff for Kratos. Like the combat was a little bit different. The thing I noticed the most was the Blades of Chaos were pretty different from God of War 18. Their like move set. It felt like a kind of a return to the original God of War games where there was like more grappling and like crowd control of enemies rather than just like throwing them really far and doing damage from far away, yeah. which is what it felt like in the last game. Yeah. Well, and I think it was okay that you're throwing guys away. I felt like this game felt a lot more fast-paced in the combat, especially in smaller areas where you had high ledges, because you can now yeah. just quickly grapple to ledges mid-fight, and, and also for exploring. It makes exploring just way faster. I think that was a great improvement. The verticality of the fights in this game was... Yeah crazy and so much fun because there were so many instances where you just like two-hand your axe and jump off a ledge and land on yeah. a motherfucker <laughs> and you, like that was because because that's like all you ever want for out of god of war fights is for them to be just crunchy and meaty and that is yeah. the crunchiest you know and yeah, I mean? epic like, as fuck and yeah when you get to have a few really epic moments it's you you like grapple with the blades up to a ledge and kill an enemy up there and then switch to your axe and jump off and land back on the guy you were fighting devil oh so cool yeah um, i agree it's interesting because like there wasn't a lot of play with the verticality in the boss fights but just in yeah. the regular fights with, you know, a group of five enemies or whatever, a lot of times you'd be in an arena that had like two or three levels. It made it a lot less tedious, which is I agree. kind like like one of the like very few complaints I had about the first game, especially with like fights with a lot of smaller enemies just got kind of boring. It was just smashing the attack button over and over kind of indiscriminately. And this just made that more interesting. Well, and this yeah. game really encourages you to vary up your tactics in a few ways. 
first of all, we were talking about how when you use certain special moves, you basically level them up and you get the ability to like customize them more and add extra things to them. Yeah. So it really encourages you. I mean, I find my found myself actively going in and being like, okay, what have I not leveled up yet? Okay. I need to do this and this more in this combat. And like just forcing me to like build that into my combat routine was cool and interesting. And it made me more engaged with the combat. And then second of all, they made status effects and switching your weapons once you've imbued a status effect like more of a thing so it's a bigger deal to like frost an enemy and then switch to the blades of chaos there's like a bunch of things that play off of that Mm -hmm. um using like fire on a frosted enemy or frost on a on a burning enemy also i would say i loved 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 the amount of variety on enemies and the smarter enemies like the elves are legitimately smart ai and you have to use the shield bash which is a new kind of it it was a mechanic in the old game but it didn't telegraph doing the shield bash with those like two little blue lines they made the shield a lot more offensive in this game and it was like actually useful like yeah. it's way more like you really want to be parrying all the time and shield bashing like yeah. mm-hmm. it should be part of your combat flow yeah which was great i loved it um there was another cool thing like interacting with the environment during fights like we talked about like the verticality and being able to climb and stuff like that but there's parts where you like rip trees out of the ground and swing them at enemies and like that was not in the first game yes that yeah, is new to this game say, i didn't remember that because that was i thought that was and super cool too yeah just being able to like pick up a big rock and throw and it just swing or... it around and slam it down yeah it just adds to the more crunchy awesomeness of the fighting in this game yeah this game really encourages you when you're in a battle to like move around and look at your environment because there mm-hmm. are things you can use even in a battle i was just doing against a boss in the boss arena there were those little poison pods that like swell up and pop when you get mm-hmm. near them. There's a couple of them in the boss arena. And so like luring the boss near them and then making them pop, you can poison the boss. And there's like the, the crystal things that you can like bounce your axe off when you throw it that you can oh, like yeah, yeah. attack enemies like around a quarter basically before they see you kind of thing. Like that was- Yeah, and it does like way more damage and stun. Yeah. So very much encouraged to like use the environment to fight. Now, before we get too much into spoilers, I'll bring up a little kind of spoiler. There is a new weapon in this game. How do you guys feel about the new weapon? I fucking loved it, and I started using it all the time. Yeah, it took me a while to to get the feel for it, but I think it's a really fun addition to the toolkit. Mm-hmm. Adding all the charges to people and having them like blow up as you're doing other stuff, uh, it's amazing. It Love is. It. It's really fun. It's kind of a testament to how well this game was developed that, like, this series that has just been solely focused on, like, crunchy combat for its entirety, like, is still finding, like, new fun ways to add. Without, like, adding too much, you know what I mean? It's not like they went, you know, open world, so there's 500 weapons now. It's like, here's one new weapon. Congrats. Well, and even with the one new weapon, I was worried. I'm I'm like, ah, am I really going to be using that? I'm so used to the axe and the chains. They introduce it in a way that, one, makes you want to use it. Like, it's important to the story. And two, like, you don't get it right away. It's not like, oh, here's your starting new game. Like, here's this new weapon. Here's a tutorial how to use it. Like, 
you start out using the blades and the axe and you do that for a while and then you get this new thing and like that made it more interesting to me. And I will say one of the things I loved about this game, because it's a direct sequel, you start out with all the stuff that you got from the previous game uh, and all like the, the puzzle solving mechanics, like the, the bramble that's co- covering uh, chests. You can still do that. That was a late game thing that you could do in the previous game, but you can do that obviously from the start. I just thought that was a fun little thing that they did. Let's talk about the story a little bit. The first game is about the quest for sort of closure on Atreus's mother's death, about going to bury her ashes and like them dealing with being a family without her and Kratos figuring out how he's going to raise his son and like what their relationship is without her. This game, not as maybe in a, as emotional a story, this is more a story about autonomy and about fate. And it's very much about them trying to figure out, do you fight against it just to make it not happen? Or do you just do what you would do? And if that happens to be what was predicted, fine. Mm -hmm. And like, are we supposed to stay these same people or can we really change? And I just thought like philosophically, I thought that was really cool. I think it's, it's ironic because Kratos was the wise one in this. Kratos was always on that path. And he's always been the the meathead, attack everything, kill. <laughs> right. But he was actually the one with the most wisdom. And Atreus is like, no, I can stop it. I I can stop it. I can I can. I'm better than this. And it's like, well, if you're doing something just to avoid a prophecy, like you're not doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Even in this game, Kratos is like still the meathead, attack everything, kill character. But like during the cinematic scenes, he like keeps telling himself that he's not gonna do that and he keeps telling other characters and he's not gonna do that and sometimes i feel like in other games i've played that just comes off as hypocritical like where like a character doesn't experience growth just because of the gameplay mechanics like kind of force you to be a certain way but Mm -hmm. in this it, it, it was more engaging because it was like the the way the dialogue is written and the the way the characters are developed like me as a player felt like oh well like i'm supposed to try to be better i'm supposed to not be mm-hmm. like be just indiscriminately killing everything on the screen but i'm being forced to and that is like the internal conflict that kratos is having they've put it onto me now they do a good job of forcing kratos to be in these situations where he's like I need to do that. Like, this is a good thing to do. This is an important reason to do this thing. And someone is literally trying to kill me to stop me from doing it. Yeah. What am I supposed to do? I mean, that, that's know? like the thing at the, the cinematic at the very beginning of the game when Odin comes to visit you and he's like, well... Like... Which, by the way, amazing scene. Amazing yeah. kickoff to the game. Yeah. That whole scene with Odin and, and Thor... Man, yeah. I thought it, they had a lot of work to improve upon the opening scene of the previous game. <sighs> Kudos to them. Well, like Odin's talk, talking about like, well, you know, you killed some people and, it, it, you know, like Thor's understandably upset, but like you did it in self-defense. So I guess like it's we have to forgive you because like you didn't know any better and like they were trying to kill you and it's and you were like sitting there feeling like, OK, yeah, thank you. I'm justified. And then he goes, but killing Baldur shouldn't have done that. And you're just like, <laughs> you fucking forced me to. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, I do like that Odin, like, he's the antagonist of the story, but he is, he's so clever and he's so reasonable. 
everything he says is like so rational and so reasonable mm -hmm. and like you keep getting warned about it by Mimir and Freya and everything throughout the game but I loved him as a character also I love um uh the guy who plays him uh who is uh Toby Ziegler in West Wing oh it's Richard Schiff really yeah it's Richard Schiff <laughs> oh I had no idea. oh yeah I totally get that now oh my god yeah go listen to his voice again you're like <laughs> oh, oh obviously of course but anyway, he does such a fantastic job. I think he is such a great, interesting anti. He's not some villain tenting his fingers and maniacally cackling about taking over the world. He's so reasonable and so charming. I loved him. A thing I really liked about Odin's character was just like drawing from Odin, like the mythology, an incessant quest for knowledge. Odin, the all-knowing. He must have this knowledge basically at any cost and you know you can understand that sort of at the beginning from like an academic standpoint but then like watching the stuff that he does to try to obtain this knowledge and like the path that leads him down where he just becomes like more and more corrupted by yeah what basically becomes an addiction like is just it's just really good writing and i really appreciated it the whole time yeah in addition to the main storyline being really good writing, I love the fact that basically every side quest in this game is an opportunity to learn more about the side characters. Um, yeah. Every, basically every side character in this game, from the, the dwarves to Freyr's um, sort of battle camp troops to Freya herself, um, you know, pick, pick your character... Every one of them has a side quest where if you go on it, yeah, you fight some stuff and you solve some puzzles and you get some sweet rewards, but also the entire time you are learning about their history and about their relationships with each other. There's there's a whole side quest devoted to finding about, uh, you're with Freya and finding about her wedding uh, location with Odin, where you get a sword for her and it's, it, it's like this whole backstory that I didn't expect to get. And I'm like, this is a side quest. Why is this so developed? I know. I could not believe that, that was something you could skip because it was so yeah. integral to why she feels the way she does about Absolutely, and yeah. And like how she was kind of forced into the marriage and, and the build up to it and what people were saying to her on her wedding mm -hmm. day and just it's great. And and how Odin treated her afterwards. And, yeah. and I will say there's some quests that become available after the end of the game that act as a amazing epilogue to the game. And oh, yeah. if you miss them, you're kind of giving yourself a disservice because it's really the end of the game. Uh, I will say a quick spoiler. This is the final game in the Norse series. And it, it's a bittersweet end because you don't really get anything at the end. So it's very important to do those epilogue side quests because you need closure of what, where everyone's going from now, what's happening, because there's not going to be another game. I genuinely think this is the best two-game series of all time. Like, the story starting and ending the way it did in God of War 2018, and then picking up where, where it left off and ending the way it did in Ragnarok, literally perfect. I can't think of, a, of two games, of just a base game and a sequel, that have had a better story than this. I, I just can't. It's like it's just unbelievably good, and all that like all that going along with the gameplay is fucking incredible. 
Yeah. Well, and the boss fights. We didn't even get into boss fights. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. boss fights in this game, they were great in the previous. They're, I think they're even better in this game. Especially some of the people you are fighting against. Especially the demon that comes out of the portal that's blocking uh, Freya from leaving Midgard. That fight is amazing. <laughs> yeah, the Needhog one is awesome. Also, they did have at the very beginning, you fight Thor. Yeah. And there is a moment in that fight that is one of the coolest moments I've ever seen. In oh, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. 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 So fucking amazing. Uh -huh. awesome. um, we we kind of got off side quest thing. I just wanted to bring up because I read about it and I thought it was really cool. Um, one of the side quests you do has this like eternal rainbow campfire that you find. And there's like a recipe for a meal and you basically have to go across the realms and find these ingredients for the meal. And they're always next to these etched hearts with like these, like an initials of a couple in them. And I was like, oh, that's like a fun little side quest, just kind of like a heartwarming thing. And then I found out it's actually a tribute. So there was these guys, two developers uh, who worked on the first God of War game, met working on the game, fell in love, named Sam Hendrick and Jake Snipes. Basically, they were partners, and this game was kind of their everything. They were working on it, and then Jake passed away during the development of this game. And so Sam went to the head developer and was like, hey, I would love to, like, you know, put something small in there for him. And rather than just putting one little, you know, Easter egg somewhere, they built this entire side quest with these hearts of, the you know, this couple and, like, built this like recipe into the game and obviously like the the campfire is rainbow uh so i just thought that was a that really cool story amazing yeah 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 i love that yeah i yeah. love that it, it just came for can i just put a little small thing okay no we're just gonna put an eternal flame that lives on for him and an entire thing devoted to you guys yeah that, that it, is it's amazing. amazing i love yeah. that yeah really nice tribute I love super that. super cool um, yeah, didn't mean to derail from the awesome epic combat <laughs> shit of this game, uh, but I thought that was really cool. Well, for yeah. a brief time, let me talk about the end game. Okay. Um, yeah. So instead of the Valkyries, there's now Berserkers. Um, and I was worried when I fought the first guy that I'm like, they don't look as cool and it's the same sort of thing. Don't worry, keep going. Uh, so they take the Dark Souls approach or the Elden Ring approach of what if there were two of them? And <laughs> it gets wildly difficult. Uh, there is one endgame boss where it's one of those guys plus two mages and you have to constantly make the decision, who, how do I deal with this? Everything is coming at so difficult. And there's also an, another guy that rises creatures from the dead constantly. And you have to fight all these mobs on top of this huge boss. The end game is so well done and does take the Valkyrie uh, idea and just cranks it up to 11. And the final boss yes has all the moves as the previous bosses and yes it's very difficult but there's another end boss that's a valkyrie <laughs> and oh, it's incredibly yeah. hard so if you're into the end game and into dark souls or elden ring kind of style boss fights there is a ton here 
not to mention the previous game you could only in the end game do the mists and the uh trials of Surtur. In this game, there's whole worlds to explore that have a whole mechanic behind it. There's there's an area where you have to constantly switch between day and night, and yeah. that's the whole mechanic of the area. And there's side quests there. There's a ton to do there. They they knocked it out. This is blowing the first game out of the water in end game content. So yeah. there's a ton in this game, and it's great. Yeah. I'm so excited to to check it all out and do it all because I loved the first game. We talked about it. I think the Valkyries were some of the mm-hmm. best endgame bosses in anything ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm super excited to see what this has got in store. Um, yeah, we talked a little bit earlier about like quality of life improvements that this game made. Uh, just want to go through like very quickly a few things. Fast travel does not take forever anymore. Oh you used God, to have to watch so that whole awful. fucking animation with the with the world tree and like opening up the bifrost. Oh my God. It took fucking five minutes. And it there was is no long. more middle bifrost. You can just no. travel wherever, whenever. Yeah. Great. They got rid of a lot of climbing. They mm-hmm. short circuited a lot of climbing to make you just be able to grapple really far away and just like jump to a point. And they did a lot better with when you're climbing, making an indicator on the screen of like where you should look to jump to the next place they made the boat go way faster so you can just travel. That's the, uh, biggest, that's the biggest quality of life improvement yeah, for me. Huge. The boat's faster and the sled dogs are faster too. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, there's a few sled dog areas <laughs> and the sled dogs are really fast. Um, also, one of our biggest nitpicks about the first game <laughs> is when when you'd kick down a chain to allow access like to as a shortcut, you know, like kicking down a ladder in Dark Souls or like Kratos would inexplicably just start climbing the chain down. You'd be like, no, idiot. I'm just saving that for later. I want to keep exploring. Uh, they, they got rid of that. Yeah, now you just kick down the chain and move on. I was so giddy when I first saw that. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. simple, but amazing. Also, one of the most annoying things in the first game was in order to get to all the like um, Odin chambers, which were like where the Valkyries were, you had to play this game where you moved the chisel and you waited oh, for it to yeah. vibrate and then you stabbed and then you had to do it again. And if you like screwed up within a certain amount of time or a few times, you'd have to start over. And some of them were painful to try and do it in, in the right and, order. And not to mention, enough. you'd open that door, then you'd go down an elevator then you'd have to walk over to where it is. And then when you finish the fight, you have to do the elevator back up and yeah. get out of there. Yeah, and now it's like, psh, boom, door opens, you walk in and there's a thing. Like, thank you. It's just instant. Yeah. yeah. They really got rid of the bullshit. I, I would say the, the armor upgrades, uh, I felt like in the first game, if you got something to the max level, that was kind of your choice. And you had to grind to be able to, to get anything else even close. Now I felt like just playing through the end game, I was able to get like four armors max level. And oh, wow. then I could really pick and choose what I wanted to do for each fight, which I want in a game like this. You have all these armor abilities. Like I want to try and test out different things. So I appreciated that a lot. Uh, any? Do we want to talk about anything else before we get to the music? I have one tiny nit to pick in this game yes. specifically. Yeah, about, let's pick some nits <laughs> specifically about the puzzles, and it's not about like the me- like the mechanics of the puzzles or anything. Uh, this game is it's got puzzles in it, but 
it's not a puzzle game. Atreus and Mimir hint at the solution too early. I very oh, much yeah. agree. Yeah. Ten there, seconds into the puzzle, mm-hmm, they're yeah. telling you the answer. There were times like, when Atreus would huh. say the answer to the puzzle before I'd even seen the puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was facing the other way, but I'd, like, gone past a point where it triggered a line of dialogue or something. Like, I'd turn around and, like, oh, that's what he was just talking about. Like, yeah. just, okay, put that in, but give me five minutes. Um, a nit that I have to pick... It's better than in the first game, which is when Mimir's telling stories or they're talking and asking each other questions. Sometimes a story will start and then combat will happen. Certain areas of the game, the game is very good at being like, ah, where were we? Yes, that's right. We were talking about this and then continuing the story. And in some places, yeah, you're gone forever. Yeah, it's just gone. Yeah. And uh, I just experienced that when I was in Vanaheim and... There, were, uh, there was a story where Atreus started asking about how to know if a girl likes him or not. <laughs> uh, I was like, ooh, I'm really interested to hear this. And of course, I stumbled upon combat at that moment. And then it was gone. And I was yeah. like, oh, man, I really wanted to hear, like, Mimir and Kratos' advice to him. They, they still haven't quite nailed it. Yeah, It was much better than the first game, though. It is better than the first game, yes. Yeah. All right, let's Let's talk talk about about the music. music. All right, Bear McCreary came back. Everybody's favorite. Bear McCreary did the game, did the God of War 2018. Um, He's more famous as a TV composer. He's done Battlestar Galactica. He did Walking Dead. He did the Sarah Connor Chronicles. He uh, recently has done Rings of Power. He's a big player in the TV comp composing scene and uh obviously he's he's done some video game stuff in the past but nothing probably that anybody's ever heard of um god of war 2018 was really his big coming out party and they brought him back for this game and it's excellent just like the first game it's big epic it's orchestral pretty much the same as the last game boss fight musics all have you know they're all the boss fights have their own theme and those are freaking sweet they're big and brassy and fast-paced exploring sections have good kind of quieter usually like single instrument kind of things yeah i don't really have much to say other than like this is kind of one of the things that makes this game different like that makes it stand out like god of war has always been super cinematic and this soundtrack is more cinematic than it is video gamey it just makes it sound more epic and when you have somebody like bear mccrary who is, you know, an absolute pro at doing, you know, TV and movie kind of epic soundtracks, you get this end result, which is amazing. And I imagine very similar to the first game, he's using a lot of, like, traditional Nordic instruments and and song-making techniques. and Yeah, there's a lot of really traditional Norse instruments. There's a lot of deep male vocal sections, like like male choruses lot of big deep drums yeah it's it's excellent and it ties into the theme very well um he did a lot of research into like traditional norse music and instrumentation to create those soundtracks he just nailed it all right let's get to final thoughts i think this game is incredible 
I think this game will go down as one of the best games of all time. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that I can recommend this to absolutely anyone uh, at full $60 price. This game's worth $100, seriously. And even somebody who's not super experienced in video games, you can put this on story mode and not really have to worry about the combat and just enjoy all the amazing environments and characters and, and epic moments um, without being stressed out. And if you want a more Dark Soulsy experience, you can play on the harder difficulties. And I really love that. I love when combat is a challenge. This game has everything in between. We've said all that needs to be said. This game is great. Go buy it. It's hard to ever have a game that I can easily recommend to everyone on the spectrum. Anyone that's new to a game or and people that have been playing games all their life. Like this, the story is amazing. So you don't need to even worry about the combat, but the combat is so good and engaging and the end game is really good. So I can easily recommend this to anyone across the board. I assume anyone listening has already bought this game. If you haven't, go and buy this game. It's really good. <laughs> but is it game of the year? We'll see. Yeah, I, there's nothing else I can say. I said it earlier, but genuinely, I think the series of these two games, God of War 2018 and God of War Ragnarok, is the best two-game series ever made. There's no better story that's told in two games. A thing that I was super impressed with about this game was... They didn't ruin it, right? They didn't try to fix an unbroken thing from the first game. Like, they added things that were good and took away some stuff that wasn't so good. Like, it just, the ability of the studio to, like, listen to feedback from players and act on that feedback is, like, some. it's just something you very rarely see these days. And that was just a thing that I immensely enjoyed about it. I highly recommend this game to literally anyone. Awesome saying one of the best games of all time. Yeah, definitely. It's certainly the best sequel of all time. I don't think that can be argued. Mm, there's a lot. <laughs> I'm starting to think. Nope. Last of Us Part 2, Portal 2. Uh, no, well, Skyrim's a sequel. This is better. Saying. This is better. I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying yeah, that there are There's contenders. a lot of contention. <laughs> this is better. We'll talk about it in our year in review episode, I guess. We um, will. We will. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us here at Hidden Doors and High Scores. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm Austin. I'm Garrett. And I'm Chris. You can find us at HDHS Gaming on all the social media platforms. Make sure to check us out on Twitch to see what we are playing and talking about. Come and join us in Discord, where we hang out and play games every night. We're always happy to have more gamers on the server. All those links will be in the show notes for this episode. Lastly, if you like this podcast, tell a friend, give us a rating. Both of those really help us out, get us more visibility, and we would really appreciate it.